Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The world that we know today tries to avoid guilt much as possible. Uh, they do not wish to feel guilt even though they know that they are imperfect. They try to find comfort through maybe denial. There is nothing wrong with me, they say. They try to find comfort and acceptance everyone should love. No judging. They try to find comfort and universal condition. You know, no one is perfect, so I don't really need to respond to this feeling of guilt. You know, guilt is a great disturbance to all people. But you and I know that there is no way of avoiding it, ignoring it. Everyone knows that they have sinned. They live an imperfect lives. Everyone knows that their conscience <clears throat> cannot be ignored. <clears throat> and everyone knows that there is death coming in their lives. So how does God attract sinners to himself? Is it through more guilt? No, I believe it's through grace. And through God's grace, we are forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his, what is the next word there? Grace. The riches of his grace. We have redemption. We've been purchased back. How? Through his blood, meaning through his sacrifice. And the forgiveness is available for us according to his grace. And thank God, grace is free. That means forgiveness is free. If forgiveness is based on grace, then we know and conclude that God forgiving us is without charge. And we don't need to pay anything back to him because he has paid it all on the cross of Calvary. The power of forgiveness is free, and we rejoice in that, and we glorify the Lord in that. And this is the attraction of the gospel, but how people simply do not understand it, and they're fearful of this truth, and they don't trust the gospel. They don't trust the salvation that God is giving toward man. A well-known attorney, after meditating on several scriptures, uh, of course, he was born again decided to cancel the debts of all his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. And what a good deed that he was doing. Just like maybe, you know, Zacchaeus of old. He then drafted a letter explaining his decision and his biblical basis and sent 17 debt-canceling letters via certified mail. Two of the letters were returned by the post office, unsigned and undelivered due to the families moving away. But to his surprise, 15 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that this attorney was suing them for more debts. And uh, with that illustration, this is how they, the sinners, view the free gift of God. They are somewhat fearful to open the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinners think that they may be uh, all more dead in trying to uh, uh, confront guilt, trying to confront 
this presence of sins in their lives. But God says to Israel, and we have this great application for us as well, in Isaiah 118, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, God opens his presence and gives us the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to bring down more guilt, not to give more debt. No, he wants to forgive sins. He wants to uh, uh, remove those barriers that uh, are blocking people to enter heaven and also to be near the presence of God. You see, God desires to attract sinners through His grace and through the free forgiveness of salvation. And this is a wonderful good news, a good news that all men needs forgiveness, and this forgiveness is free. If you're a Christian this morning, we understand that this attraction is a wonderful news for all of us. And uh, we know it more perfectly because we are saved. I'm sure for many of us, there is not one single day that goes by without thanking God that our sins are forgiven. Why? Because even though we are saved this morning, we tend to live an imperfect life. And we thank God every day to know, hey, Jesus Christ paid it all. We will sin maybe tomorrow, we will sin next week, and maybe uh, we'll get tempted and, and run into some old habits a few years from now. But thank God Jesus Christ paid it all. And we thank God for his free gift of salvation. We have the security. And as we think about the security, we must recognize that We have this great advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is always working to get us closer in fellowship. I think about how John writes in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, talking to Christians, These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, God forgives uh, all the sins of this world through his blood if you're willing to receive him as your Savior. Now, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior, hey, recognize this wonderful knowledge more perfectly. As you have fellowship with Jesus Christ, as you have fellowship with God, hey, you might sin, but John says you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, who vouches for you and uh, tells God the Father, I gave myself to him, I gave myself to her, I have cleansed their sins away, and they're drawing nigh to me so that they could have this fellowship more perfectly. And you see, Jesus Christ is always advocating for us and thank God for our Savior. And God wants to build holiness in our lives so that we do not continue in sin. Though uh, maybe we might fall into sins from time to time, Jesus Christ is willing to forgive us again and guide us again because of the grace that is so much more abundant. You know, no one becomes more holy through guilt as much as no one is saved through guilt. And uh, as we live this Christian life, realize 
that his grace is always abundant still, and that we could still walk in holiness, even though we have made some terrible mistakes in the past as a Christian. Some Christians tend to know the law very perfectly, but they don't know the grace of God very perfectly. And uh, they are somewhat confused, and they're simply stuck in their Christian life, bearing the burden, why am I this way? Why can't I live more of a godly life and a holy life? And, and that's where their Christian life ends. But ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God is always abundant. And live in your Christian life victoriously, finding the grace of God, finding forgiveness, finding that wonderful presence of the Lord that is always available, finding Jesus Christ, the advocate that is supporting you. Oh, the Christian must find grace, finding the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and we need to confront our sins, and we need to confess our sins, and we need to have our sins be forgiven. And this is God's will for us, even as Christians in fellowship. His desire is not for us to be unclean and sinful in our lives. His desire is for us to have holiness as he is holy. As much as your record is clean, my friend, as a Christian, God wants your walk to be clean as well. As much as you are secure in relationship with God, you call him Father, and we are his children. He wants to make sure that the fellowship is always secure as well. That means we should not have any sins that's not repented of. That is always dwelling, that is always inhabiting in our lives, and that is really blocking our prayer to God, and that is really distancing our fellowship with the Lord. May we be more sensitive as Christians, as much as we are saved by grace. Hey, let us abound in this grace. That's why Peter wrote, but uh, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Christians today, Realize, God said in 1 Peter 1.16, let's read this together, ready? Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You see, God saved you, and God washed your sins away so that you could be presented holy in front of God the Father. And when Jesus Christ died, it was a perfect offering, amen? He does not have to die twice. And his death and sacrifice, his precious blood that was shed, was able to clean and wash all our records of sins. And when God sees us as Christians, he sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness imputed in us. Now, but as we walk in this journey as Christians, let us make sure that as much as record is clean, let us make sure our walk is clean. It is written, be holy for I am holy. You might be thinking, I'll just wait until heaven to be holy. No, ladies and gentlemen, God is with us. And God is holy. The third person of the Godhead is called the Holy Spirit. Be holy, for I am holy. You don't have to wait until heaven to be holy. Yes, we have a, a perfect. Uh, uh, we will have a perfect life up there. We will have perfect holiness up there, and there'll be no sin there. There'll be no temptation there, and we look forward to that day. 
But I believe that we could have little heaven on earth. I believe that Holy Spirit wants us to be holy as He is holy. He wants to shine His holiness in this world. And He wants to reprove this world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. How does He do that? I believe, of course, through the Word of God and through His work of the Spirit, but also through His saints. And that's why Jesus Christ calls us the light of the world. And so that we may show good works to glorify the Father which is in heaven. That's why we need holiness. We need to see holiness build up in our lives. And in this temporary time of maybe 70 to 80 years, would you always grow in grace and grow in holiness? And do not just be in the corner somewhere guilty and thinking that your Christian life can never grow, thinking that your Christian life could never reach the higher ground. No, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, I can do all things through Christ with strength and with me. He is able, my friend. He is able to do exceedingly above that we could ask or think. Have faith in God concerning holiness. God dwells in you for a reason. Find that grace in your life as much as you found grace in salvation. Find grace in sanctification too. So I want to encourage you to see holiness built in your life. So Paul challenges the Christians in Rome. By the way, was Rome a very godly city? Probably not. False idolatry. and I mean, uh, there were very sensual sins everywhere, a lot of activities. And it was a very corrupt society. Immoral. And as we think about the city, Paul still acknowledges the Christians. Hey, be holy. And you might be thinking as much, you think that, hey, this world is so dark, this world is so corrupt, and I don't need to (laughs) try to strive to be on the standard of the Scripture. But ladies and gentlemen, the Scripture has not changed. God has not changed. Just because the world is so corrupt, that doesn't mean that God has left his position of holiness or maybe downgraded. No, he is still perfectly holy. He's been holy for all ages of men and all eras of men and all throughout history. And he will be holy for all eternity. And uh, as we are sitting here in the 21st century, God still wants to present himself holy to the lives of Christians no matter how corrupt, no matter how wicked the society is, would you let him, would you let him build holiness in your life? I'd like to share with you this morning three strong admonition of grace to live a holy life. First of all, Apostle Paul pleads with these Christians to plead. (coughs) Verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, Paul strongly begs. You see that word beseech there. And he says, I beseech you therefore. And then he talks about holiness in that same verse. So Paul strongly begs him to be holy. And there are two notable words in this plea. In verse 1, we see the word brethren. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. We must realize that God doesn't plea with non-believers to live holy. No, he pleads with his children to be holy. Holiness is for us, since we have been forgiven. 
Since we are his children, those who are not forgiven will continue in sin. And if you're saved, then you would agree this morning. You will agree that holiness is for you. God pleased with you and not with the world. You see, the world are children of disobedience, children of darkness. And do not compare yourself with them. And uh, in every way, they have rejected the scripture. They have rejected the Holy Spirit. They're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have received the Holy Spirit. You have received Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, and God is talking to you and I. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And ladies and gentlemen, holiness is for us. Would you surrender to that this morning? Would you say, dear God, holiness is for me because you're holy and you have commanded me to be holy. And you're not commanding the world, you're commanding your church to be holy. And I hope you yield yourself to God, and I hope you put that old man and crucify him once again, and so that you may live holy, and so that you may live like the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, have good stewardship and ownership of holiness today. God is commanding His children. And not only that, not only do we see the word brethren there, but also mercies. It says, realize, (coughs) uh, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, God is rich in mercy. And realize this plea is based on God's mercy. God was merciful to you and I, and and, uh, 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 we won't have hell as our home because of his mercy. And the word mercy could be described like this. It is something that you don't receive that you deserve. Hell we deserve. Because we're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. So that sin it, it shall die. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. You see, ladies and gentlemen, sin brings forth death. And it brings second death, which is hell, which is a lake of fire as well. And uh, as we think about <coughs> this scripture and, and those scripture, and as we think about uh, 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 what we deserve as sinners, uh, let us uh, be glad that God was merciful to us. And he did not execute what, he, what we truly deserve, which is hell. You see, God is rich in mercy, and his mercy will never run out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And thank God his, his mercy is always rich, and that is always abundant. And uh, he is withholding judgment in this world. And if you're not saved, if you're not born again this morning, guess what? He is withholding his judgment of the physical death and also even the second death so that you could be saved. So that you could receive Christ as your personal Savior. (coughs) He is rich in mercy. Notice what the writer wrote and uh, how he did not write singular word mercy but the word mercies, by the mercies of God. It's more than once. 
I love the scripture in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we have mercy of God today, and we have mercy of God tomorrow. We have mercy of God next week. We have mercy of God next month. We have mercy of God for all eternity. His mercy endureth forever. Thank God for His mercy. And based on this mercy, Paul writes to the Christians in Rome, I beg you, if you have received the mercies of God, if you have been delivered from the judgment to come, and if you have not received what you truly deserve, would you live a holy life now? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Would you consider His mercy? Would you be grateful for His mercy? I think some Christians who are just doing whatever they want and just living a wicked and and a worldly style type of life is not recognizing or meditating and even being grateful of the mercies of God. Let's take heed to the plea of holiness. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God. I wonder if you'll respond to this plea even this morning. I wonder if you'll just surrender to God in this plea. (coughs) So with that, not only the plea, but the presentation. So it's very clear that God wants his Christians to be holy. And it's based on his mercies. And secondly, the presentation must be noticed. The presentation of godliness and holiness is possible. If it wasn't, why is it in the scripture? God will never command us something that we can that that that, uh, that we cannot do according to his grace. God will always enable us. And in this presentation, of course, it's not really for us. It's not even to the world, but it's to God. Why do we need to present ourselves holy for the people in this room? Yes, I understand that. That could be true. And I believe that we need to make sure we live a holy life so that we don't weaken the weak brothers in this church and weaken their conscience. We understand that from the scripture. But what is the ultimate reason why we need to present ourselves holy? The ultimate reason is, is for God. We need to present ourselves wholly to God. And God deserves that. Sometimes we get it all mixed up. We think we should should be living holy so that we may be holy before this world. We understand that too, which is partially true. But the main reason why we must find grace to live a holy life is so that we could present ourselves to God. It's for God, not for man. You see, God deserves all the glory and honor. See, God deserves this presentation because he died on the cross for our sins. It's not for your family. That's not the main reason. It's not for your spouse. That's not the main reason. It's not for the church. not for the main reason. The main reason is for our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we must present ourselves Holy, because he is worthy, my friend. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have to reconcile in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. You see, God cleansed our sins away. God saved you and I so that he may present you holy to himself in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in who? Christ Jesus. See, the scripture is very clear. We present ourselves holy, not for the glory of man, not so that we may look so good in front of the world. No, I believe that's a byproduct. The main reason why we give ourselves to holiness and present ourselves holy is because of God. It's for God. So we are commanded and instructed to live a holy life so that we may present our lives to be holy in front of God. And by the way, doesn't God deserve the best? Doesn't, the God, doesn't God deserve your best dedication and your best surrender so that he may build holiness in your life. So number one, the presentation of holiness should be visible. It should be visible. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, bodies are visible things. You see me today, right? Why? Because of this body. Yes, I have, this, I have a soul, and I have a spirit that's quickened, that's living inside of me. But you know I'm here. Why? Because of this body. What a good-looking body, amen? Just trying to get your attention. Uh, But with just jesting aside, it's very practical in what Paul is saying here. Present, not your soul, not your spirit, but your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I think about the word living sacrifice, too. You see, God wants us to live a holy life, like I said before, not just in heaven, but also here. He's talking about this present life, living sacrifice. As you walk this earth, Paul says, make sure you present your bodies, what's visible, to God Almighty. And live a holy life. Live a life of sacrifice. Live a life of dedication that is worthy and that is godly. And some Christians are trying to maybe be secret Christians, undercover Christians. But we are not to be. We ought to, in every way, not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to be ashamed of the scripture. We are not to be ashamed of the life that God has given us, this new life that God has gracious given us through his sacrifice. We are not to be ashamed of that. And we are not to be ashamed to be holy. God's people say. We are not to be ashamed to be holy at the workplace. We are not to be ashamed to be holy with our families, with our get-together with friends. No matter where you are, do not be ashamed to be holy, my friend. Be visible. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So with that, not only visible, but acceptable. Holy, acceptable unto God. 
Not only visible, but acceptable. This presentation should be not acceptable to man, but acceptable to God. So we must not base it on the standards of the world or men or friends around us. No, we must base it on God's holiness and this book that we have today. And we need to ask ourselves, would God be pleased? Would God accept this? Would God approve of this? You see, we are to please the Lord, not men. Is it acceptable to God? And you might be thinking, oh, my friends will be offended. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter what your coworkers say. It doesn't matter what your family say. Does God approve of it? Is it acceptable to God? Then you do what God wants you to do. <coughs> we ought to please God rather than men. Acceptable unto God. Your standards of holiness should be based on the standard of God. And that standard is found in this book. These are instructions and manuals so that you could live a holy life. And we know what this Bible is called. It's called a what kind of Bible? Holy Bible. We call it the Holy Bible. The scripture calls it the Holy Scriptures. These, this is the manual. So that we may be admonished. So that you may know. And there are imperfect people in this book. There are people who have committed sins and have fell, have fallen, and and, and, uh, they have done terrible things. But why are they written there? So that we may learn from their example. So that we may not do according to what they have done. You see, we are more accountable because we have the complete canon of the Scripture. And ladies and gentlemen, find that place of acceptance in God's sight. Not acceptance from man, not acceptance from the teachings of this world or any books of this world. No, the acceptance from God. So with that, not only visible, acceptable, but reasonable. It says, (coughs) which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable service. No argument should be presented. You might be thinking, oh, dear God, I know you want me to be holy, but could I just kind of do this and do that? And you might be thinking, you know, uh, I'm living in grace. You know, my records of sin is clean and purified. And, and uh, you know, uh, it doesn't really uh, uh, matter if I need to be more sensitive. I know I'm going to sin in the future, so why get stressed? Why get overburdened about it? And I'm not saying that you should be burdened over stress about maybe uh, your Christian walk, but ladies and gentlemen, I believe that we should not sear the conscience. We should not in any way ignore the Holy Spirit of God who wants us to live holy and who is in every way uh, uh, giving you that poke and giving you that push and giving you that sensitivity so that you could live a godly life. (coughs) And as we think about the scripture, I think about referring back to the mercies of God, our salvation. If God truly saved us, if God died on the cross and gave us blood and suffered for our sins and not for his because he's a sinless God, but for our sins he died, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's a very reasonable service that we owe to God that we live a holy life. You know, the Bible says that it's a reasonable service. 
is something that they sh- it shouldn't be argued about. It's something that we should not in any way try to fight God about. It's a reasonable service. God expects it. It makes sense that we live in holiness and not filthiness. You know, I think about my children, you know. It makes sense, you know, when they come home from just all day from school and maybe uh, out in the church backyard during the week because I'm here at the office, you know, and they're roller skating and they're doing their scooters and biking, whatever, you know, and Josiah's pants are dirty and his shirts are dirty. And then when they go home, you know, I don't say, all right, let's all go to bed and get tucked in with those dirty clothes of yours. I don't do that. Do you do that? I'm sure we all don't do that. We want to what? Make sure they're clean. Make sure they're, <coughs> you know, uh, uh, make sure they're washed up. And, and, and it, it makes sense to us. And it makes sense to you, you know, as you maybe go out throughout the day and, and as you go to work, you like to take a shower before you go to work. Maybe you like to wash up, brush your teeth, maybe shave. It's reasonable, isn't it? It makes sense, doesn't it? Now let's move it to the spiritual life. It's practical. So practical. But we sometimes ignore it. It's reasonable that as we go out into this world that we present our God holy. It makes sense that we live a life of godliness. No matter where we go, where we are, what situation, it's reasonable that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God. And so, as we think about this, presentation is for God and for God alone. So make sure it's visible, acceptable, and reasonable. Number three, the proving. The proving. Wouldn't you agree that in this world there is good and evil? There is righteousness and wickedness. There is holiness and filthiness. So we need to have the right discernment. As a growing Christian, we must discern what is good and evil more and more clearly. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But strong meat belong to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So God desires for his children to discern. God wants us to know the understanding of this time and the understanding of the Scripture and to know the meat of the Scripture so that we may discern both is good and evil. And we need to prove that which is good and prove that which is acceptable and prove that which is perfect, prove that which is the will of God. Just for a simple example, we think about maybe cigarettes or uh, marijuana. Okay. As Christians, we don't do those things. Now, does the Bible say, thou shalt not smoke marijuana? No. Thou shalt not smoke Marlboro cigarettes? No. But we know and discern from the Scripture that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
So we abstain from something that's going to have a stronger influence. And we know from the scripture in application, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we Christians do not, hopefully, accept social drinking because we're on the verge of drunkenness. We don't want to go there. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I've never seen a Christian who takes a cup and, 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 and drinks alcohol just socially, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're memorizing the Scripture, and they're going soul winning, they're door knocking. I've never really seen a Christian like that, who are socially drinking and living it up for the Lord. They're lukewarm, and they're just living their daily lives in pleasure. And I'm just simply saying today, as Christians, we need to discern what's good and what is evil. What is acceptable, what is good and perfect will of God. We need to know the proving of it. So number one, what do we first must do? First, resist the world. How do we prove something, whether if it's good or evil? We got to resist the world and be not conformed to this world, meaning don't imitate the world. Don't be like the world. Be different. Notice the phrase, this world. How applicable, how applicable, uh, applicable this is for all generations. Paul told the Christians this 19, around 1900 years ago. And he says, don't be conformed to this world. And now as we are here in the 21st century, this might be a different world than Paul's days, but it's still this world to the Christian living at this time. And God wants every Christian in every generation to resist their world that they're living in. And I think what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. In 1 Timothy 6.17, charge them that are rich in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, do you love this world? Do you run away from the world or do you run to the world? The testimony of Demas is very clear. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Do you love this present world, this temporary life? Are you resisting this world? fighting against the world rather than with the world. What are you doing as Christians? Be not conformed to this world. Do not be like them. Do not imitate them. Do not talk like them. Do not think like them. Do not respond like them. Resist the world. Christians, we do not owe anything to this world. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We owe everything to God. Let us not be deceived to think that this world is wise and let us not be deceived to think that this world is a victory and and has all the riches and, and has all the glory. No, let us resist this world and prove that which is good and which is holy. And let us make sure that we are in every way living a holy life that's not lukewarm, that is not being spewed out of God's mouth but we're living a life that is acceptable to God. So secondly, we want to be transformed, not be conformed to this world. So renewing of our minds. 
Not only do we want to resist the world, we want to renew our minds. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How can we be renewed? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24 is on the screen. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the, according to the what kind of lust? Deceitful lust. The lust says, hey, this feels good. The lust says, oh yeah, this sounds just right. Lust says, yeah, this is where you ought to be. But your lust is lying to you. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The great battle of temptation is in your mind, my friend. You got to have your mind renewed again. Casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Are you trusting your own deceitful lust, your ideas, your imaginations today? Or are you being renewed, being transformed by the Spirit of God? Put off the old man, put on the new. We cannot be renewed with old habits and the old man hanging around us. No. Old habits will lead you back to the old life. Your old man will counsel to the old life. Your old friends will lead you back to sinfulness. The old crowd. Do you want to be renewed? Or do you want to just stay dirty and be stained again? Ladies and gentlemen, God is holy. We know that. But the question is, are you holy? It's a very simple question, but it convicts our heart, doesn't it? Convicts our heart. Convicts my heart. Every time I assess my heart and mind, I'm not living as I should. I'm not living godly as I should. I have problem with anger. I have problem with hatred. I have problem with thinking unfairness. I have problem with hypocrisy. I have problem with... Envy, jealousy, you know, those are all sins. Did you know that? You might not be drinking or smoking. You might not be, you know, cussing out there. You might not be, you know, out with the world. But did you know Jesus Christ died for your anger? Jesus Christ died because you hated people? Because you gossip about people? Did you know Jesus Christ died for all those inward sins that is hidden deep in your heart? And as Christians, we know we're sinners. We can't ignore this fact. We have this flesh. Paul says, in me there dwelleth no good thing. He says, I fight every day. There's some things I want to do, but I can't do it. There's something I shouldn't do, but I do it. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants to build holiness in your life, in your spiritual struggle, without or within of temptations. God wants to build holiness. How many believe that God is able to build holiness in our lives? Say amen. If God is able, would you let him? Would you surrender to him? 
He has a plea. He wants you to be presented holy in front of him. In front of him. Not in front of this church or to this world. In front of him first. And he wants you to prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God.